in a recession or in, in hard times, not everyone can lose. Recession for me is a great time for business. There's so many opportunities out there. So, um, Carl, how's business? Good, good. Never easy, but it's good. Yeah? Yeah. And um, what does an average day look like for you? I know you're... Um... Yeah, um, an average day for me, <laughs> wake up, try and get the gym in before I go to work. And I do that because that day could take me absolutely anywhere in the world. I could wake up some days and have a 15-hour flight to Japan and not even know about it until three hours later. Literally a phone call. You know what I'm like, very impulsive. Why do something tomorrow you can do today? Yeah. So, you know, it's... Um, my day could consist of anything. You know, I didn't know I was coming here until yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, for example, you, you, um, I know you go and pick up cars a lot, don't you? Yeah, well, I have, a, I have a really good team, a really good staff. Not a big staff, because I find every member of staff you have is a potential problem. And that's a potential problem. <laughs> yeah. It's a potential problem before you actually have any problems in business. So if I've got 20 staff, I've got 20 issues to sort before I do any deals. So, and that goes for people with 100 staff, 200 staff, 300 staff. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, we have so, 100, nearly 150, I think. Yeah, so. well, that's, a, that's just... That's, 150 that, problems. That's anxiety for me. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a small staff. I'm very hands-on. Nothing goes through the business, coming in or going out, without me authorising it first. Um, I've, I've got a lot of people I give responsibility to, but once again, I have the final say at all times. Um, and I like to do, I like to be hands-on and do most things myself. Mm. So, so you'll happily go and pick up a car even if it's a few hour drive away? Well, it depends. If I, if I buy a car from you and it's a Thursday afternoon, I'm going to block out the rest of Thursday because I want to see you, I want to talk to you, I want to learn stuff from you. And, um, progress further in that way. It's not really so much the car, it's the people. Yeah. If I buy a car, a brand new car from Joe Bloggs, who his business doesn't really interest me too much, I can tell from when I speak to him, he's not the most interesting person. I'm not going to learn too much from him. I send one of my staff to go and get it. It's just a quick transaction. Get it, bring it back, right, yeah. get it sold. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And um, the average car, how long does it take for you to sell it from getting it to... Because I see, like, I follow Carl on Instagram, of course. And I see all these cars, and I'm like, oh, that, I saw it, and then I didn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of stuff um, goes through our hands, and it doesn't make the website. You know, I, 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 can, I can buy a car, and I can sell it on the next phone call. Um, and that's the mentality that we have. We're Wait, traders. Let me just help you out here. You're going to bring that table over? Yeah, because you're, like, you. holding <laughs> your glass. <laughs> um, you haven't got much space there. Need a hand? I'm all right. I'm good. Oh, I don't know if this is too big. It's all right. It's cool. How's that? Is that all right? Yeah, lovely. Yeah, Thank there you. you go. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so get some candles. Oh, shit, I forgot I love which the one's cocktails. mine. I'll start. Yeah, all right then. Cheers. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... So it can come and it can go, like, in the same hour or day. Yeah, I mean... I can have cars for over a year, which sometimes isn't a bad thing, because I can buy it and I can see the market on that car is moving up, and I'll take it off sale, and I'll put it back on sale when I feel like the time's right or better than it is now. Um, funny story: uh, two days ago, 
I um, I went to go see a client of mine. I bought two cars from him. Uh, one of them I sold him 12 months ago, literally to the day. I paid him profit on the car that I sold him because it was a good car, very rare. I told him I'd give him £10,000 profit. When I got there, he said, well, you know, since I've had the car, I've serviced it. The service cost me five grand. So really, I want the five grand plus the 10 profit. So we were arguing back and forward over the price of the car. As soon as we agreed a deal, I was on my way back. I sold it within four minutes. So that, that argument over the five grand was the difference between 40,000 pound profit. Right. You know? Yeah. In four minutes. Yeah. So it can happen like that. That was a good day. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it can go the other way as well. So interestingly as well, I was talking, um, I didn't know this the first time I bought your first car, my first car, off you. Um, but you, you'll also um, take watches in exchange. I take anything. <laughs> you take anything. I'll take anything. So crypto guys, all right, there you go. Yeah, take them Bitcoin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I take uh, oh, building plots, boats, helicopters, watches. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you'll... You do a deal where someone pay part cash, part watch? Yeah, of course. I yeah. do that every week. I done a deal last week. I took seven watches against a, a £650,000 car. I gave him the car and £150,000. And then four days later, all the watches were sold. I done better about the watches. I did the car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Watches went, some of the watches went to China. Some went to the Middle East. Some stayed in the UK. Yeah. Um, All for my little office in Overseal, Bodling <laughs> Co. Yeah, not that little. Well, yeah. So, um, yeah, once a trader, always a trader, I guess. Then that, That's you know, our mentality. Yeah. Our mentality is, you know, profit. Yeah. That's our mentality. Don't be greedy. It's profit. Mm. Get it in, get it out. There's yeah. always another car. There's always another anything. You yeah. know, if you, we were talking earlier and you were talking about a watch that you wanted to buy and you got a fixed price on what you want to pay for this watch. Yeah. Which is, which is a very good thing, because a lot of people can give that little bit extra and buy with their heart. They're the kind of people I want to meet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Easy, easy to yeah, sell. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you had this price, you're like, no, this is what I'm paying for the watch, I'm not going to pay any more. Well, if one comes and it's not at that price, there's always going to be another one. Yeah. There's always going to be another one. So, you know, that's a good mentality to be if you're buying. Yeah. If you're selling, profit. Yeah. Don't refuse profit. Yeah. And how's the car market? right now it shouldn't be as good as it is but it's very good what with inflation interest rates people struggling to get car finance people's businesses not doing as well as they should be so they're not earning as much plus they're paying more on their interest rates when they finance a car it should it's a recipe for disaster but it's actually booming right yeah and does booming to you mean um not going up or going down or going up? Um, booming to me means there's people out there that are in an unfortunate position where they need to liquidate their car. There's other people out there that are in the fortunate position where they want to buy themselves a car. So I'm getting it from both angles. You know, I'm getting the, the, the seller or the, the, the desperate seller in times like this. And, you know, in, in a recession or in, in hard times, not everyone can lose. Recession for me is, is a great time for business. There's so many opportunities out there. You know, a recession is a great thing. Every 10 years where a recession comes, it's fantastic. Mm. It's good, the world needs it. 
the world needs it in what respect? As in a, a shake-up, a, a shake up. up. Yeah. A shake-up. You know, these things come around like, um, like I want to talk a little bit about crypto, for an example. Um, I don't know too much about crypto. I never got involved in it. The reason I didn't get involved in it is because I don't understand it. Because it physically doesn't exist. So it's hard for me to comprehend. I know you've yeah. had, um, you've got some crypto and stuff like mm. that, because we've talked about it, but it's something that I've never really got involved with. But it has made a lot of people a lot of money who didn't necessarily use their intelligence or work to get that money. They were just in the right place at the right time, invest in the right thing, and sold at the right time. Now, that money doesn't last very long because it hasn't, it hasn't been grafted for, you know? And I'm not talking about everybody here. I'm talking about mm. certain people who the first thing they do when they sell their 20 bitcoins go and buy themselves a Ferrari. Yeah. You know? The money has to the money has to go into other people's pockets. So that person then has to regrip and restart again. And it's just a cycle of the world. It's just what this country needs. People need to always keep spending. Because if, if I spend with you and you spend with you and you spend with you, everyone earns money. But someone's gonna lose somewhere. Mm. Someone's gonna be the one holding the baby. Yeah. So that person then needs to sell their Ferrari. Who do they call? <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and what's, your, what's your volume? Like a day or a week, you know, how many cars might you see? Bearing in mind these are supercars, aren't they? I've bought 15 cars in the last three days. I've sold wow. seven of them. Not of those, well, I've sold some of them 15 that I bought, but obviously I carry 70 five cars yeah so in the last four days seven have gone 15 have come in right that's just how it that's and, and how an it average is. value of those cars uh well last year i think we sold 420 cars and the average value was 280,000 on an average yeah so there was a couple in there for three or four million five million and there was obviously a lot in there for less than 280,000 100 I don't really do anything less than a hundred thousand. You know, a hundred thousand is your your starter point with me. Yeah. Hmm. And um, most expensive car you've sold? I can't tell you what it is. I know I've asked that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Previously, but, but and it was a while ago, and the car's actually worth a lot more now. Um, but it was thirty-eight million dollars. It was sold in dollars. It was a classic car, and so all big classic cars are traded in dollars. That's how they're valued, is in mm. dollars. Even if it's a UK car, say it's right-hand drive Ferrari, UK, but it's a very rare, very special one, it's still traded in dollars. Mm. And what, um, what car was that? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't, you can't say who, but can you say the car? No, because it's one of two cars in the world. So, one very... Someone will figure one, it out. Yeah, one very famous person owns one, and one very discreet individual who made me sign about four contracts <laughs> <laughs> um, to not say who it was or what it was. If I told you what it was, you know, it, would, uh, it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. And um, what would you say has been the, um, the thing that's made you very successful? Or the things? I... I I am very lucky and have been very lucky in the sense of I had an incredible teacher. 
um, which was my dad, who you've you've met mm. on a couple of times. Yeah. Um, quick story about me for everyone who who doesn't know. Um, my father started in the car business 50 years ago, so this year's our 50th year, and I was brought up from being, you know, the minute I could walk and talk around cars, knowing what cars are, what models, and shown an interest in cars. My dad is, uh, is from um, very humble beginnings in Scotland in a place called Hamilton. Um, moved down to England uh, when he was about 15. He used to trade in carpets from being 10 years old. He had, he had no education, never went to school. Um, he can write, but only he can understand his writing. <laughs> um, so I got to the point where he always instilled business into me, you know, and, and work ethic. And, you know, to, to always, always work. We were, we were, we're workers. We were brought up working. And when I got to 12 years old, I decided I didn't want to go to school anymore. It really wasn't interesting me. I, what I wanted to do is shadow my dad. I wanted to just be him. And, um, you know, he turned around to me and he said, um, OK, so what, you're not going to go to school anymore now? So I said, no. I used to skip school every, every Tuesday at 12 years old to go to Misham Car Auction, BCA. And one of my dad's <laughs> one of my dad's friends, um, who was a bit of a a bit of a lower end uh, car trader, used to sit up in the stalls at the back, and um, I used to go and sit next to him. And the, the 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 auctioneer would never take my bids on a car because I'm twelve. <laughs> so, um, so I I used to I used to sit there with my book. Well, it wasn't a book at the time; it was sheets of A4 paper. And I used to buy cars from, because every, every Tuesday, the first Tuesday of every month was top car sale. So it was the, it was the nice cars I went through. Mm. And um, I used to go and my dad's friend used to, used to bid for me. And then I used to drive them home. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, I've been a naughty boy when I was younger. But only, only with the best intentions, yeah. you know. Um, and... <laughs> So, so my dad said to me, so what do you want to do? You, you want to leave school, have no education. What are you going to do if you know, this don't work out? If you decide that you don't want to be a car dealer when you get to 17, 18. You've got no qualifications, you've got no education. You know, you, academically, I'm not the brightest person in the world because I really had no education. For me, it wasn't a choice. It was, it was that's all I want to do, just tunnel vision. That's all I want to do. And he said to me, I'll never forget this. He said, right, okay. He said, how old are you now? I'm 12. So he said, okay. He said, by the time you're 18, if you haven't earned enough money to buy a third of the stock that we have in stock, this business is not for you. So I was like, right, okay. Let's get to work. And, um, and that's what I've done. And the reason it was a third is at the time, I've got an older brother. My brother was involved in the business. He was five years older than me. And at this time, my brother was nearly 18 and he was becoming a partner in the business. When I say becoming a partner in the business, he bought himself into the business the same way as I had to. And that was the ultimatum that we both had. Was, and at the time we might have had, obviously the business wasn't as big as it is now, but um, I think at the time we might have had 12 million pounds worth of cars. So from being 12 to 18, I needed, you know, I needed to earn the third to pay for the stock, to then start again from zero at 18 years old with no money, just the money that I had in the stock, reinvest, 
and then um, and then go again. And what what we've always done, how our business has grown, is we always keep reinvesting in the business. We don't take any money out. Just keep keep investing more cars, more showrooms, bigger showrooms, more cars, more money, more showrooms, more cars. You know, and that's just that's just the way we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he taught me, he taught me absolutely everything. Yeah. And also gave me a very tough, um, a very tough decision to make where you want to be a man, you want to, you think you're a man, you want to drive, you want to be a man, you want to buy and sell cars. Okay. Well, th this, this is, this is life. This is what you've got to do. Mm. Don't come to me for any help. I'm here for advice, but if you can't pay for this by the time you're 18, then you're on your own. Yeah, so you had to have access to four million pounds between the ages of twelve and eighteen. Yeah, yeah, and and you did that. Tax paid. Yeah, and you achieved that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Tax paid. That's a, yeah. <laughs> a very big difference. Yeah, right big now. difference. Tax paid. Tax paid. Yeah. You know, so then when I've done incredibly well by the time I'm eighteen and I'm I'm eighteen, I've got a few quid because I've worked every single day from being twelve until eighteen. You reinvest that back in the business, and you start all over again. Mm. And but that was always the plan. So that was yeah. That was just that was just the plan. There was there was never a, like a sense of like oh do I want to do this? I could go and do something else. I was like mm. couldn't wait. There you go. Yeah. You know. And um, those moments where you'd sold a great car and you'd told your dad or something like that. How was that? What was his reactions to you? Uh, so, my dad's a very old-fashioned Scotchman. There's no, there's no praise. You know, there's, there's no praise. There's no praise. <laughs> yeah. If, if you, if you, even now, you know, we um, he's, even, he's now. Talk, even now, yeah, you know, he um, obviously he's he's getting a bit older and he's still heavily, heavily involved because he's a workaholic. But obviously, he doesn't. He, he took a little bit more of a, a back seat, really, and. You know, the other day I, I bought a car, a very rare car. Um, I sold it within a couple of days, which I didn't think I would because it seemed like the kind of car you'd have to stock for a while. Done really well out of it. And the first thing he said was, mm, I think we undersold that. Bearing in mind it was for sale at another dealer for 12 months for less money. I bought it, sold it in three days for more money. And he thinks we undersold it. Like that's his praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Listen, I know, I know deep down because obviously his friends and stuff, and people have said, you know, your dad's really proud of you, but you know, he's never expressed that or said that. But that's that's our relationship. Mm. You know, that keeps that keeps you going. Yeah, you know. Mm. And um, you like property? Um, do I like property? Residential or commercial? Either. Um, yeah, I like, I like residential property. Um, it's not a business that I would see myself in purely because I'm, I'm a trader. So I'll buy something off you now, I'll pay you for it now, and I want to sell it tomorrow. Yeah. It doesn't work like that with property. No. There's, there's, there's chains and there's people and there's viewings and there's mortgages and, and uh, it, it, it too, deals are too long. Yeah. I have got the patience. Yeah. <laughs> in a room for the property people. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, interestingly, I mean, you know, 
came over to um, your showroom. Mm -hmm. um, amazing, you know, I imagine when you first um, had that, it was much smaller and you've oh, developed yeah, yeah, yeah. and developed. We've and grown a lot. Developed. So I guess there must be some interesting in property there or that, that would be commercial property. Well, it's, it's actually, well, the showroom is uh, commercial property, but it's on, it's on, our, on our estate. We live on an estate um, that's my dad's house, my house, the original, um, the original showroom, um, which would hold... I, I remember roller skating with my brother and my sister around the cars that were in the original showroom. Now, crammed in this showroom, then you could fit probably... 14 cars. So we probably had seven or eight in there at the time. We used to roller skate around the cars. Now we've got a 50,000 square foot, three story showroom with that and 48 acres full of cars. Mm. You know, and I remember roller skating around the showroom when I was eight years old. Yeah. You know, so it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot. Can you remember what the showroom was worth before you developed it and what it might be worth now i could i wouldn't have a clue no because i know how much the showroom cost me to build yeah <laughs> but um what it's worth you've been there you couldn't value it no it's it's but, but the, the reason i'm talking about this is one because we've obviously got quite a few property people in the room mm -hmm. but you know i suppose a bit like mcdonald's you know they've got the the business element but the real estate has the value or a lot of great value you've got all this stock and this business but you've got that 48 acre plot of land and all that real estate in it as well i mean that must have gone up hugely in value since you started yeah yeah yeah, yeah so inadvertently you sort of are a real estate investor i suppose so yeah i suppose so we don't we don't rent any of our properties as in we own everything yeah everything's paid for um so you know, I was only thinking the other day, because I'm looking for a, um, you know, I live on the business. Mm. Well, that's causing me some serious marital problems. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were just talking about work-life balance earlier. Well, yeah, well, yeah, if we, I don't have any work-life balance. I, I work 24 hours a day. And that's part of the issue, is it? That's, that's a major part of the issue. Yeah. Um, the major part of the issue is, you know, my wife says, you know, why are you doing this? Like, why, what's wrong with working until eight at night? or seven at night, and seeing me and seeing the kids, or maybe just taking a day off, and taking us out somewhere. And I'll go, yeah, yeah, I'll take you out. We'll go to London. The reason we'll go to London is I've got two clients in London selling two cars. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, look, I'll be back in two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, that, that's, that's a problem, which I'm, I'm, I'm addicted. You know, I can't, we were on holiday recently, and I bumped into a client who I met um, in the hotel I've done business with before, and I just I didn't get off my phone. And he said, "Carl, enjoy your holiday." So I said, "If I wasn't working, I couldn't enjoy my holiday. You know, if I had to sit there with my phone there and not touch it and do nothing for four hours of the day, I, I would be awful. I just couldn't do it. Yeah. It would ruin my holiday if I wasn't at work." Yeah. And what do you think when, because I completely relate to that, feel exactly mm. the same, you know, and then a lot of people say, well, you know, that's no way to live life. Well, that's their life. Yeah. And in, to them, they're right. Yeah. But it's not right for me. No. 
and um, it's not right for people I surround myself with. Mm. I think it's really important to surround yourself with like-minded people. Yeah. You know, because you, you inspire each other. You, and I'm lucky I have a brother who is exactly the same as me. Yeah. Um, so we, we bounce off of each other and we, um, we, we motivate each other, I think. And also our friends are the same, the same way. Yeah. You know, what might be, let's go for a drink on a Friday night, ends up flying around business deals, you know, ideas, what we can do next, what we should do next. You know, we're not talking about who won Saturday's match. Yeah. You know? Earlier, people were talking about critics and, you know, you have the critics and the trolls, the haters. Um, how, do, how does that affect you? I'm my biggest critic. I, I feel like I'm my, big, my biggest critic. Yeah. Um, someone who could... It's very hard to critic a car dealer, you know? Because everyone loves cars. Well, and... you know, you can have the nicest car in the world to you, but to somebody else, it's not their cup of tea. They don't like it. I don't like that car. Okay, well, just saying anything about me, just saying it about my stock, which I don't care. I'm not attached to my stock. Yeah. Um, I'm quite a... I can be quite an outspoken person because I'm, I just I say things as I see them, because that's just the way I that's just the way I am. That's the way I brought up. That's that's the way my family are. And my my assistant told me recently that I'm the most unpolitically correct person she'd ever met, and I said, well, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I I sometimes can say the wrong things at the wrong time, and social media is one of these things where, you know, once you get a substantial amount of followers, a lot of people follow you because they want to troll you because they're sat in their mum's basement at 40 years old, jobless, and they don't like other people succeeding in life. Yeah. And then you get other people who look at you for motivation and think, you know what, I want to work and get that car one day. I want to come and buy a car from him one day because that's my motivation. Mm. And then you get other people who just like cars and just love your stock and just like to see nice cars and like to see people buying nice cars yeah. you know we we sort of publicize um when someone comes to buy a car from us obviously if if they're if they agree to it you know them collecting their car driving out the showroom you know that gives somebody who is not quite in that position yet but will be in that position momentum and motivation to think i can't wait till i'm driving out that showroom in my car mm. you know yeah and and it works I, you know i get it all the time people come to me and go I messaged you five years ago on Instagram and I told you I'd buy a Ferrari from you. Yeah. You know? Mm. And, they, and that day they have. Mm. So, and I think that's, that's marvellous. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Um, I like the... We talk, the question was about critics, but essentially you spun it around and looked at all the positives that you get on social media. I don't have time to look at critics and, you know, so everyone's got their opinion. Your opinion doesn't mean anything to me if it doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. You know? What my opinion, what your opinion means to me is whether you like or not the deal I've just put to you on the car. That's, that's the opinion that I'm bothered in. Yeah. Whether you think I'm not, you know, not a nice person or whatever you think, I don't want to take you on a date, so I don't care. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not bothered. But going back to... Um, 
being addicted to business and perhaps the effect it might have on your family. What's your, what's your plan for that? There, there's got to be a, comp a compromise somewhere. I understand that. Mm. Um, and I'm at the point now where I can make a compromise. You know, five years ago, seven years ago, there was no compromise. I was very focused, and still am, but obviously I've got kids now, so my focus is slightly different, you know. Their happiness is what makes me happy now. Yeah. Before it was my happiness, as in, you know, I want this house, I want this car, I need to carry 50 cars instead of 35 cars. And when you get to 50, you're like, I don't want 50, I want 70, I need a new showroom. You know, I need different locations. I want to look at somewhere else abroad to have, have a showroom. So, you know, that, that, that's the motivation. Mm. But now I'm, I'm, you know, fortunate enough that I can make that compromise a bit. Yeah, not too much though. No. <laughs> yeah, watch this space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might take a few hours off on a Friday. <laughs> and you're, um, I know you've got like a helipad mm -hmm. in your, um, when I say in your showroom, in your grounds, mm -hmm. and it must be an amazing networking opportunity. You must have some very interesting, high net worth and good quality clients because you know we're all love networking here in in the property business and in the, in the business business and um, yeah that must be a, a thing yeah well where where we are we're not you know in Mayfair on Barclay Square in a glass showroom that's like a fishbowl for everyone to to see the clients that we deal with are um, can be very under the radar billionaires or can be you know a-listers in movies and athletes and sports and singers and they don't necessarily want to be packed through the window of Jack Barkley, Rolls-Royce dealer in the middle of Mayfair. Mm. Um, so we offer a service where if you don't have your own helicopter, we do, we can pick you up, you can bring you to our showroom, you, you know, you're behind our gates, there's nobody there. I can even sometimes if there's um, you know, politicians and stuff from different countries. We get rid of all the staff. They meet me late at night, just me there. And it's a one-on-one -on -one private private deal. And they like full disclosure. They like, you know, everything has to be kept very private. And that's what we offer. At the same time, if you I want... should have... Um, Harry and I drove the first two times. Yeah, well... We uh, should have gone picked up in the helicopter. You should have, but it had to cost you more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and um, the helicopter come in use um, whilst we had it because we, we, we give that service to people. We've even got a, um, an on-site therapist, as in uh, a spa therapist. So if, if you came down with your, with, with your missus and you know you're going to be a couple of hours, send her to the spa, let her get her hair done, her nails done, a massage, whatever you like. <laughs> he's fucking worked this out, hasn't he? <laughs> I just need to keep you there yeah. as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, what I, was, I don't need is someone going. Come on, Rob. We need to go. We need to go. Yeah. We need to. We're running late, Rob. No, no, no. You go and have a massage. <laughs> get, get, get your hair and nails done. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I need a therapist every time I come to see you in your car. I need a different type of therapist. <laughs> <I need. laughs> yeah, wow. 
Um, has anyone got any questions? Um, we've got plenty more time, but I thought it'd be nice for you to be able to ask some questions too. Um, uh, what car do I what, yeah. <laughs> The question was, what car does Carl drive? Um, I have a, obviously I have access to 75 cars, but my, my personal car is a car called a Pagani Huayra. Um, it's, they only made 100. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's an elite hypercar, um, yeah, it looks like a spaceship. Two, <laughs> mil, two million quid, something like that? Three. Three. Yeah. 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 Did you rock up here in it today? No, I didn't. I'll tell you why. My staff was stressing me out. And, um, <laughs> I, yeah, you know, I'm having this, um, uh, I'm doing kind of a networking day tomorrow at our showroom. So we're having this annual barbecue we have once a year, every year. And the guys are running around, they're getting all the cars ready. They're getting the showroom ready. They're putting up marquees and stuff like that. My car is sort of at the back with three or four of the cars in front of it. And they just delivered some fridges. And I was like, oh, you're doing my head in. I'm running late. So um, I just jumped in another car that I've got and yeah. came here. Yeah. G-Wagon. Mm. Yeah, you sold one of them, didn't you, when I was in the showroom I a few sold days one when ago. you in the showroom, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that, might be, that was the car you mentioned, was it? Someone had been trying to sell it for... Uh, um, no, 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 that was a different car. So okay. the car that I was on about earlier when it was for sale was a Bentley Brooklands. Um, they made 500 of them in the world. It's a very rare, very rare Bentley, like a long coupe. Yeah. And it, it was for sale for 130,000 at a dealer for 12 months. I had it a day and sold it for 150. So that works. Job done. <laughs> job done. <laughs> Someone wasn't doing their job right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, good question. Where do you see? I'll repeat the question just for the um, the audio and the video. Um, where do you see the supercar market going with everything electric? Okay, so first we need to pretend that things are going to go fully electric in 2030, which they're not going to. But <laughs> let's just say they do. Human nature for people who want to buy toys or investments are they want what's not produced anymore. So they want what you can't get. For instance, Ferrari don't make a manual car anymore. So all the naturally aspirated manual Ferraris are going through the roof. Even though when they were new, no one wanted them. They wanted the new gearbox, you know, the F1 gearbox. <laughs> so it's a complete head fuck, really, because it goes in trends. Um, people will want what they can no longer have. Someone wants a natural combustion engine they will go up in value. But I don't think we'll have that problem because I can't see us all going electric by 2030. I can't see us going electric at all, but that's just my opinion. You can't see us going electric at all? Well, not for a very, very, very long, whether it's in my lifetime or not, I don't know. Mm. I just don't think, the amount of cars that are on the road, which you know, yeah. I don't know exactly, the amount of cars that are on the road, it's impossible for the infrastructure to be put in in 30 years, 40 years. Mm. You know, you see Tesla queuing up at every single station. They're queuing five, six cars deep yeah. to get a charge. And there's 20 chargers, you know? Yeah. So how's it going to work if everyone drove a Tesla? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I'm not, I don't. Ele don't like electric cars. Feel the same way. No. The combustion engine, the sound. If you like cars, 
you don't like electric cars. No. If you drive an electric car, you don't like cars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is very yeah. true. <laughs> it's a great tax relief, but that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Mark and I, we've got a um, couple of classics and we've had the Ferraris um, since, you know, even just sticking the turbos on mm -hmm. and the sound difference and, yeah. Yeah, and then you get in an electric car and you're like, this is, there's no... There's no, there's no soul. There's nothing exciting about this. You know, you can one of the one of the fastest cars or the quickest cars you'll ever drive is a a, a Porsche Taycan Turbo S. Mm, right. Yeah. That car is probably naught to sixty in two point three seconds. It seats four people. It'll do one hundred and eighty miles an hour. But you'll never be so bored doing naught to sixty in two point three seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like you just want to. I just rather not. I'd rather have a fight with a manual gearbox to try and, <laughs> to try, to try and get it to 4,000 revs. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's what I would rather do personally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But there's car people and there's not car people. Yeah. And, you know, I don't pick and choose what I sell. I sell electric cars. Yeah. I, I, when, when the cars fly, I'll sell flying cars. So, yeah. Don't care. <laughs> yeah. Don't care. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Yes, what's your name at the back? Diana. Hi, Diana. Ooh. <laughs> so what's the average markup on a car? Um, some cars are a lot different than others. As you know, bigger risk, bigger reward. Um, some cars are the kind of stock that you know is going to be tough. There's not many buyers out there for it. So for that reason, your profit needs to be larger in that car, or at least your markup initially needs to try and be larger. Other cars. You know, you know you sell them like hotcakes, they're going to be straight in, straight out. And, you know, I can work on a couple of percent to 25 percent, depending on the car and the value. With Bentley? Yeah. Okay, well, you've got to really keep taking it to Bentley, even though I feel your pain, because I don't feel like these um, main dealers do, do the, a good job. I honestly don't think they do. Stories I could tell you, you wouldn't believe. Um, but because it's still warranted by Bentley, what you want to do is when you put the car in for a service, you want them to find as much wrong with it as possible, so they replace it all under warranty. You're not going to do that at a um, an unauthorized dealer. So stick with them. Pay 50% more just for the stamp. Oh, no, there is. Of course there is, yeah. There's loads of different warranties. I know. <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story about having confidence in a um, in a main dealer. Um, before I had before I had the car I've got now, I had a Bugatti Veyron, and I had it for four years, and I drove it every single day. And every year I'd send it into Bugatti to service it because there really is no one else you could send that car to. But you have to brace yourself that you know you're going to get. I won't say what the word is. I know what you. Get. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> but that's 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 the service that you're going to get. So, you know, every service would be between twenty and forty thousand pounds a year to service. I mean, I may as well just bought a boat. It was it was the same running costs. And one year, which was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, I took it into the service center and it's a left-hand drive car, so the toggle to adjust my mirrors was on the, the left-hand side of the door. And the toggle, the mirrors worked fine, everything was fine, but it had a, 
slight play in, 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 in the switch. I mean, you could, you could touch it and just wiggle it a tiny bit. But I'm like OCD. I'm not OCD with anything else in the world but cars. Like, my house, I could live in an absolute tip. It wouldn't bother me at all. But my car needs to be fresh every time I get in it. So I said um, to, the, uh, to the service manager, I said, can you do me a favor? Whilst it's here getting serviced, that's going to cost me probably 40000 Can you just have a look at that switch for me? Yeah, OK, Carl, we'll do that. No problem. We'll, uh, we'll email you a quote. OK, well, that doesn't, that's not a good start, is it? So um, <laughs> I said, OK. I'm thinking, look, this is, this is, this is going to be ridiculous, this switch. It's going to be like 1,500 quid to replace this stupid switch. But, you know, I, I want it done because it's going to annoy me. They sent me a quote for 9,500 plus that, right? So I'm all about justification. I, how I do business is I justify to somebody why this glass is worth a certain amount of money. Then we agree, and then you buy it from me. That's, that's how I work. So I need justification why this switch is going to cost me £9,500. If you can justify it to me, okay, no problem. So he told me, well, you need a new motor in the, in the, in the mirror, you need a new door card, you need a new door handle. I said, well, hang on a minute, why? Well, it's just, that's, how, that's what comes in the pack. Like, that, that's just it. I thought, I ain't doing this. Sent it to another guy that I know who I do business with, who supplies Formula One parts to Formula One teams. He makes carbon fiber parts. Sent it to him, left the car with him for two days. Told him the problem, picked it up two days later. So I said, Neil, how much do I owe you? Oh, there was parts on labor, you know. I said, uh, I know. He said, it, it wasn't easy. I said, okay, <laughs> just let's Thank get you, to man. the point now, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, well, the part, I had to buy five of them because they only come in a pack of five. They were 89 pence. <laughs> and it took me 25 minutes to do. So you owe me a beer. And I thought, I ain't sending my car to Bugatti anymore. And that's, that, that's why. That's why. The part was off of a Volkswagen Transporter. Same part. It was a washer from a Volkswagen Transporter. I've actually got four of them. So technically, I've got 36,000 pounds of the parts for a, um, for a Bugatti in my drawer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, when we um, I clipped the wing mirror on the Lambo, and that they wanted five grand. Yeah, I mean, three and a half grand I give for one of them. Yeah. I done the same thing on yeah. mine. Different thing. Holy shit. Um, yeah, let's keep going. So, any questions? It can be about cars. It can be about business. Um, Entrepreneurship, anything like that. Paris, what's your name, sir? Paris. Hi, Paris. <laughs> always, always a couple for Paris. Do one at a time. Yeah. Um, so I'll just read. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Where do you put your profit other than stock? That's the first question. We could go on that one. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, try, I try not to keep it anywhere else but stock. Obviously, it's growing the business. The more cars I have, the more cars I can sell. The more business we do, the more money I earn, the more cars we can buy, etc., etc. What's more risky, having that or having money in the bank? I have, yeah, I have, I have. I have a collection of watches, I suppose, only because I like watches. Um, I love cars, but you know, if I wanted to treat myself to a car, it's just a waste, really, to an extent. You know, so have, just have a look at what you've got in the exactly. Scanner. You know, that that'll scratch the itch, and then I just probably sell them anyway. 
Um, but I love watches, so um, I've got a nice collection of watches that I put some money into. Um, but you know, apart from that, I'm you know I'm, I'm a very I'm just so focused on what I do for a living that I, I I would struggle to split myself in half to maybe go on commercial property, residential property. You know, I've got to go today and see a guy about renting a house or renting a, a, a storage unit off me when I, I could be buying and selling a car somewhere. So, you know, I don't, I don't think, some people can split the two, but I'm so busy doing what I'm doing, it's hard for me to do that. But, yeah. Um, a bit of money in watches obviously depends what your watch collection is worth. So that could be a small amount of money, or it could be a large amount of money. Yeah, I, I same. I put a lot of my money into watches. Some of those watches are, you know, blink a few times when you look at the value of it. So, you know, it, it might be perceived that there's not much money in them, but there might be a lot of money in them. I think I'm, you know, I, I know a lot of people um, use watches as currency. Obviously, um, Carl does. He takes them for cars. But you know, a lot of people who would buy from Carl or um, you know buy and sell their products and services or whatever, they their their form of currency and store of the value is in a watch, not a piece of paper um, yeah I, I think that that's um, so it's a form of currency isn't it yeah and then the second part of the question so yeah what's your exit strategy I'm just gonna go to Colombia and drive into the sunset <laughs> no um, there is no there, for me there's no exit strategy so you know I don't necessarily um, go to work purely for financial gain and, and profit reasons. Um, you know, we have built our company to be renowned as arguably the, the most successful and best supercar dealership in the world. Now, what motivates me is keeping there, keeping everyone, because everyone wants your spot. And that to me is worth more than profit, worth more than money. Um, I need to maintain that spot. I work very hard to get there. and you're not taking it away from me. And the day where you exit and you vacate the title, you leave it open for someone else. Now that would give me serious issues. <laughs> I couldn't let that happen. I, I'm very lucky with the, 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 the clients that I do business with and the people that I surround myself with from initially meeting them by doing business. Um, you know, you can, opportunities come up. So an opportunity could come up today from somebody where I think, you know what, I'm gonna put some money into that or do that or, or whatever. So the answer is I really don't know, but I'm, I'm supercars to the core. You know, that's, that's what I was brought up doing. And that's not all I know how to do because I know how to buy and sell things. And cars are just one of the things I do that with. But that's where my passion is. You know, I, I'd struggle to think that anyone has more knowledge on any car than what I do. And I think knowledge when you sell something is key. You know, 
a lot of the times I say this to my salesman, you know, you don't have to sell this person this car. You just need to answer every question that they give you. You need to know more about it than what he knows about it. He knows if he's going to buy it or not. He just needs you to confirm what he wants you to know, you know? So that's, that for me is a lot of the art in sales is how many times have you asked, you've, you've gone to buy something from somebody and they've gone, um, I'm not sure. How off-putting is that? You, know, you ask me how much brake horsepower a car is, I know. And now you know. And that excites you because, wow, it's 700 brake horsepower. Yeah, you know, God, I do want one of these, you know. Uh, I don't know, let me check. That's not, that's not an answer that we give. All right, it's, it's, it's individual to the, to the person. Number one, he, um, he shouldn't outspend himself and put himself in a financial hole for a supercar. <laughs> Which, by the way, I see a lot of people do. I sell cars to people that I know they can't afford it. I know this is putting you in a sticky situation because you want it for the gram. And that, that's, that's what you want it for, you know. The gram of what? <laughs> the gram of, yeah, loads of grams. The gram of um, that, And I, I see it all the time. Um, Just but, you have, are you okay selling a car to someone who just can't afford it or no can't afford it? Yeah, I'm okay doing that. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Someone else is going to do it. Yeah. So. Do you have a moral or ethical issue? Oh, I lost my conscience years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else is going to do it, and they're just going to go and someone else. Buy with someone that else. person is buying a car, whether it's from me or from somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah. why not be from me? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. Um, that that's important. Um, and a lot of people look at cars like, oh my god, you wasted your money on a car. You spent all this money on a car. You wasted your money on a car. Cars are investments if you buy the right car. So you just want to look for something that is low in number. It's all about supply and demand. Everything in the world is about supply and demand. If there's more demand than supply, that's a good investment. So look for something maybe like that. Oh, you're talking for you now, yeah? Uh, <laughs> yeah. A car I bought yesterday, um, I've, I've just put for sale this morning. And there's not often I get the feeling of a car and I think, you know what? These are super undervalued, and I think they are. Some cars I look at and think, Oh, in five years, that car is going to be worth a lot more. I look at this car and think, In five minutes, this car is going to go through the roof. And what's that? It's called a, it's a Ferrari 550 Barchetta. So it's, uh, it's a 550 Marinello yeah. with no roof, right? Um, and it's manual, it's V12 front engined. 448 ever made, 40 right-hand drive, and this is the only one in this colour. So it's a one-off. How much is that? Fucking hell, I'm okay. How much is that? 375,000. Yeah. One's just sold in, um, it was a lower mileage car, it was a thousand miles, but one's just sold at an auction in Europe for 650,000 euros. And the trend is this, a car makes big money in America. The equivalent car then follows from Europe. And then the equivalent car then follows from the UK. So we are always one step behind Europe in the values of cars. The cars in the UK, pro rata, are the cheapest cars in the world. On a car like that, 
because there's 448 of them in the world. But you sometimes buy in America and then sell here? Yeah. Arbitrage? Yeah. 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 Mm. Although the um, currency exchange can yeah. help you or hinder yeah, you doing yeah, that, absolutely. you know? How many of those, though, they weren't they, they weren't a numbered car, no. no. So I don't, you know, wouldn't be hard to find out, but there would be probably three and a half thousand. Yeah, yeah the five one five twelve TR. Five one two TR. That's yeah. it. And, and they made the M. Yeah, and and those three cars look almost exactly the same if you're not educated about them. Less of them. Well, the first edition of a Testarossa is called a Monoscepico, which means single wing mirror. Yeah. So that, the only difference between that car and your car is it has one wing mirror. Yours has two. Yeah. And it might be 50% more in value than your car because it has one wing mirror. Yeah. Let's go back and kick your wing mirror off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all pro rata. But like you say, you can look at two cars and you can think, I mean, I've actually bought Testarossas that were the single wing mirror car, but in 10 years after the car was new, someone put another wing mirror on it, and then it's had four owners, and no one knew it was originally a single wing mirror car. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which, you know, that, that's a, I know, because yeah. obviously I, um, I know what to look for. Yeah. And obviously chassis numbers. It was the first, I think it was the first 500 cars were single wing mirror. How do you handle setbacks and failures in the lessons learned from them? I don't think a failure is a failure if you learn from it. So you, you have to fail to succeed. Um, if you win every time, you know, you, you, I think you can win bigger if you fail more. You know? Um, so as long as you learn from mistakes. I, I had a, a, recent, a recent mistake, you know, two weeks ago. I bought, a, um, I bought a Porsche that was a manual, it was a GT3 Touring. So, you know, the GT3 manual mm. Touring. And um, people who buy Porsches, they're very meticulous on everything. Someone who buys a Lamborghini does not care about nothing. They just want that car with the doors that go up and it sounds really loud. They don't care. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like the difference between Mark and I, you have just explained there. <laughs> someone, who, someone who buys a Porsche wants to know who the previous owner was, did he ever take it out in the rain? Because obviously, <laughs> because obviously these cars dissolve in the wet, so... Um, you know, <laughs> Stop trolling It's like the most you. overly engineered car in the world, but we don't get it wet. Um, anyway, I bought this car and... <laughs> The, the first thing you ask, they ask when you have one of these racing manual Porsches is um, the buyer wants to see a, what they call a rev range. So they take in the Porsche, they, they plug a computer in, and they see how high the car's been revved. If it's been revved too high, Porsche will validate the warranty, take the warranty from the car, even though it's a year-old car. And we're talking a car that's £250,000. So on trust, I bought a car from somebody who failed to tell me that he'd taken the car around a track. Instead of going from fourth to third, he went from fourth to first. And obviously the rev limiter bounced off the rev limiter and the car was over revved. Now, I bought the car on trust. It was a bit of a mistake in the end. I, I, I got out of it, but obviously declaring to the next owner exactly what I know because we have a reputation, you know, you have to do that. 
and what I learned from that is that will never happen to me again. You know, I will make sure I, I have all these cars rev checked before I um before I sell them. So that was a lesson learned. In the long run, that will save me money by the loss I took initially. That will save me money in the long term. And the way I respond to that is I don't, I just don't do it again. <laughs> yes, what's your name? Hi, Helen. Yeah, of course. So if your kids want into the business, will they buy in? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, well, uh, yeah. Depends how many of there is. If my dad isn't around then, or he decides to retire, they'll have to pay for half of it. So they'll have a harder job than me. Well, so basically what your dad taught you, did yeah. for you, you would do for your children. Of course. Yeah, of course. 100%. You know, I... Um, it teaches you two things when you're younger, I think. It teaches you the value of money. Obviously, when I'm, 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 a, I'm a kid, I'm 12 years old, and I've got access to all these supercars and dealing with people. And numbers get thrown around, telephone numbers get thrown around for values. You know, 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, 25 years ago, you know? So it would be very easy for a kid in our days to be very blasé about the value of money. You know, and say, oh, dad, it's only 250,000. Well, wait till you have to go and earn 250,000, and then it's no longer only 250,000. Yeah. Um, so I think it teaches you the value of money, and it teaches you... Um, it also taught me... Uh, what I mentioned earlier when I talked about how I bought into the business, and I said after tax. Well, that was a shock to me. Yeah. You know, at 12, 13 years old, okay, that car earned 10,000 pounds. You had 600 pounds worth of expenses. We spent another thousand pounds on the car in prep. So all of a sudden, you're now at eight and a half thousand. The profit has to be split between me and my dad. So your eight and a half thousand is four, two, fifty. You then have to pay tax and pay VAT on that profit. You walk away with 1,750 quid, two grand maybe. Mm. So your, your deal that done 10,000 pounds profit wasn't. Yeah. It was two. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think in order to learn business, you have to be doing business. You can't say, oh, my son's called Christian. Um, so I say, oh, Christian, you're 18 now. There's a third of an empire that I created or helped create. Um, he's not capable. You, you wouldn't say to somebody who's not a pilot, oh, you're old enough to be a pilot now, go and fly that plane. You know, or you just wouldn't do it. So you have to you have to earn your way there. Mm. Great. Who's next? So this was Michelle. Hi, Michelle. And the the question is, would you do anything different if you could go back when you were twelve years old again? I often think to myself, where I find myself in different situations with with different clients that um, I, am I am uneducated and um, I can get conscious about that in certain rooms with people. But I'm a bit of a chameleon where I can adjust to, an, to a situation. Um, but I do think to myself, 
would I have been better if I could maybe speak another language and um, was more educated? And the, question, the, the answer that people who I talk to about this is, but you wouldn't have been where you are if you would have continued going through the educational process. So you can't win. Um, so that's everything I know. I was taught 50% of it, and the other 50% I learned along the way. And in hindsight, no, I wouldn't change anything because I don't think it'd be possible to. But I'd love to speak three languages, um, and I'd love to be more educated. But I've got by okay so far. So, so far, so good. Yeah, it, the um, a friend of Mark and I, Neville Wright, uh, very similar in that um, he didn't do well at school at all, and probably came out at a similar time, and um, he had has major dyslexia. He used to sit in class and look at the blackboard and he could actually see all the letters moving around. Actually see my dad has major dyslexia. Yeah, he could see that and um you know that created some anxiety and you know, how do I adapt? And so on the playground he was all he would hustle and sell on the playground to all the other kids. Partly as a way to um not be the useless kid at the, the back of the class. So essentially he developed some coping mechanism, street smarts, where he lacked in education. Um, you know, I, I, think I didn't lack in education, but I definitely, because I was the fattest kid in my um, school, lacked any sort of interaction with the girls and so learned that through the alienation of it and so therefore learned how to get on with everyone um and i know that's a skill i learned from that void so i think the the street smarts are just as smart as the book smarts but i would value them higher it's interesting hearing you say that carl but i would connect so much more with someone like yourself than someone who's very well read and educated and got all the letters. I, I, value, I value street smarts higher than book smarts. Mm. Um, I have street smarts. I don't necessarily have book smarts. So mm. that's, that's why I say what I say. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was kind of thrown in the deep end as a kid, you know, kind of on the side of the road, dealing with a, dealing with a guy who's a successful businessman and I've got to convince him to take less money for his car than what he wants for it. And I'm 12. You know, so, <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah. you, fa you fail a lot. You fail a lot. But if you keep knocking on the door, it will open. And it only needs to open once. And then, you know, it's a confidence thing. You, you know you can do it. You know, the first, the fir I remember the first, I've bought about tens of thousands of cars over the years. And I never forget the first car I bought. I know the number plate of it. I actually, I bought, I took a train down to London. I was, when I say the first car I bought, it was the first car I bought completely by myself. What would normally happen is my dad would say to me, right, you go with Keith. Keith will drive you down there. You go and look at this car. You call me when you're there. You tell me what it is. You tell me what's wrong with it or if there is anything wrong with it. And then we will discuss price on the phone and then you can go and 
bid the client to try and buy the car. Well, this car in particular was me start to finish. No one knew anything about it. I was, it was August, and I was, I was 15 in September, and it was August, I was 14. And I got on a train down to East London, and it was a BMW M3, E46 M3, if anyone remembers those cars. <laughs> so it was, um, it was Laguna Seca Blue, do you remember that colour? Yeah, 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 very similar. Um, yeah, this was this was uh, SMG, SMG gearbox. Anyway, um, I bought this car, and um, when I bought it, paid for it, and I thought, well, this is my car. I'm gonna drive it home. So I drove the car home from East London at fourteen. Um, Sold it on the way home um, to a guy and earned fifteen hundred pounds, and that was I was fourteen. I was twenty-two years ago. Twenty-two years ago, yeah. Was the first guy I ever bought. So, um, you know. And what did your dad say? I could have been doing that, or I could have been learning biology in school, mm. I, I, or I could be learning how to be a doctor and don't want to be a doctor, you know. So. Um, what did my dad say? He said, uh, you want to be careful driving that car, you know? <laughs> <laughs> not good deal. No, not yeah. that was good. Just be careful driving that car. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, what's your name, sir? Hi, Chris. Hi, Chris. Chris is a constable from the police who now wants to arrest me for driving <laughs> <Yeah>. underage. <laughs> a bit late. Yeah. Athletes, athletes are due. Um, but if I'm not into their sport, it doesn't really mean much to me, if that makes sense. Um, I've actually got a story about Mick Jagger, funny enough. Um, a few years ago, me and my wife and, and a couple of friends went on holiday to a, a, an island in the Caribbean called Mustique. I bought this holiday in a charity auction. And this is a, like a private island that you could, is only available to people who live on the island. And the island's full of like A-list celebrities, right? So we've hired this house on the island for, for, for a week. And as we leave it, I've got a little baby at the time and my wife was like paranoid that they wouldn't have baby milk on this island. Like no one's allowed to give birth on this island or have children because they don't have any baby milk. So I, I took like 30 kilos of <laughs> baby milk <laughs> with me for a week. Have you done that? Yeah. So, I mean, we've overpacked baby milk by, by miles. So the guy, the guy who was like sort of running the house for us, our like main, I don't like to call him a butler, but let's say that's what he was. Um, as we're leaving, Mick Jagger is landing into the island that day and we actually have his high chairs from his house that we're using. And he said, Carl, do you mind if I take the high chairs back to Mr. Jagger? I said, because he had a baby that had a similar age to, to, to mine. So I said, yeah, of course. I said, by the way, it's the day we're leaving. I've, I took 30 kilos of milk over with me. I've got 25 left. Because <laughs> guess what they sold when we got there? Um, so I said, whilst you, you, you're going over there, I said, take this milk over to Mr. Jagger. And because I'm not, I'm not taking it back on the plane. And I know he's got a baby the same age as mine. 
So he said, so he said you know, I'd, I wouldn't want to offend Mr. Jagger. I said, trust me, I don't think he'd be offended. I said, just, just take it. If, if he's offended, give him my apologies. Anyway, he took the milk and he came back with a bottle of Cristal champagne. <laughs> he, said, he said, Mr. Jagger said, thank you very much. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't have to pack the, uh, the baby milk, you know, so he thought, you saved me a job here. Yeah. Uh, but, but the answer to the question is, yeah, I've got a few uh, things, um, but um, I value things more from people who mean more to me than a celebrity I might sell one car to. So a guy that I do business with a lot, you know, one of them bought me a lighter, a really nice lighter. And, you know, that, that's like a really nice, he engraved it, and that was like a really nice present that I'll try and keep forever, you know? Next, next question, right at the back, what's your name, sir? Hi, Phil. It, it, it depends. Um, if I bought a car out in Japan, my, my first initial prerogative is to try and keep the car in Japan and sell it to Japan. It just saves me saves me time and money and stress. If I can't do that, then yes, I will bring it back to the UK um, and then try and sell it in the UK. Or I'll bring it back and if it's no taxes paid, I'll keep it in bond and then try and sell it to any other part of the world where it can go to. Um, you mentioned your friend who only deals in Dubai. That's like saying you're a fish, but you only swim in this part of the lake. You know. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, world, the world's a big place. Um, and, you know, the argument or his argument would be, well, I don't need to. Well, I don't need to do any more business outside of the UK, but there is more business out there. And I want more of that business. Sorry? Yeah, well, tell him to just stay in Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> David? What's your name, sir? David. Hi, David. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's a favourite transaction. Yeah, um, that's a good question, actually. Um, you know, selling, selling one car to somebody has opened many doors uh, for me in, in different areas. Um, I actually get more self-satisfaction out of um, giving back to to, um, to 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 more unfortunate kids, which is what which is what I do quite a lot of. So um, it's, it's amazing how many um, unwell kids there are, um, terminally ill kids who love cars, and instead of wanting to go to Disneyland, they want to come to Tom Hartley. You know, which is. It blows my mind. I can't understand it. Like, how lucky was I when I was a kid? I grew, I grew up here, you know? And, um, you know, I, 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 that gives me more satisfaction. They come, shut the showroom down. They get three cars that they can go and have a ride out in, whatever they want. I don't want uh, yesterday or the day before. That, you know, that makes me feel um, good um, rather than... But, yeah, you know, I, I do get... Doors do open just from doing business with someone once, and it's, it's, all, it's all about networking. Um, but the most satisfaction comes from, you know, seeing a, you know, a less fortunate child, like, have a really nice day and smile. And I'd done that, and, I'd, you know, I didn't even have to really do anything. You know, that, that, that for me gives me satisfaction. Thank you. Yes. What's your name? 
Hi, Juliet. Oh, my mum hated it. <laughs> my mum hated it. Because I was always like the kind of the mischievous wild child kind of one, you know? Always got myself into trouble. Always got myself out, but only because I got myself in it in the first place. Um, and she, she really, really, really disapproved of me. Not, not leaving school early because it was just part of the, the trait that was in our family. I had a brother that done it before I'd done it and it was just, that was a normal thing. But um, driving, she didn't like me driving at all. I hated it to the point where me and my dad had to lie to her for about two years. Um, so, you know, how did that car come back? Oh yeah, Keith, Keith brought it back. Well, who went with you and Keith? Uh, shit. Uh, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, she, um, she didn't approve of that. And um, she, she, she encouraged, you know, the work ethic. Because my mum's my the same. My mum's a grafter. You know, she, she uh, from a young age, she always worked, um, you know, with her family. And, um, you know, encouraged us to, to get stuck in and, and you know, and, and have a go. So she was very supportive in that way, um, but yeah, she, the only thing she really frowned upon was me driving at 13. Yeah, which I can't blame her. Yeah, I look, I look at 13-year-olds now and I think, God, oh, I used to drive when I was your age. That wasn't safe. <laughs>